Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to Kofefi Break on Unsafe Space. Kofefi Break is a live show we do every Monday and Friday at 11 a.m. You can go to unsafespace.com where we will always have our content, even when we're banned on YouTube, which does happen occasionally. Uh, you can always watch us there. Uh, we're also on Utreon and Odyssey. And rumor has it there's a Twitter account of our ghost roaming around somewhere at underscore unsafe space. Uh, if you want to support us financially, you can go to unsafespace.com slash, I don't know, support something. There's a button there. Uh, and you can jab that subscribe button in honor of Dr. Fauci. Um, what's today? I usually give the date. September 27th. Today is September 27th. Happy September 27th. Our next book club is October 24th, which is Texit by Daniel Miller. If you want to join book club, you can just send an email to speak at unsafespace.com. Uh, also, you can go to the Facebook book club page. I think there's some, you know, maybe there there's a way to do it. I don't know. And the book after that is November 21st, and it's The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. Uh, I'm Carter. I probably forgot to say that. Welcome, everyone. Uh, and today... My host is going to join us. We'll leave, we'll leave it as a mystery host. Who's the host? Is it Carrie? Is it Carrie? It could be Carrie. It looks like Carrie. There's a hat. No, it's, it's Sunny. Ah, oh, damn it. Uh, Carrie's on damn vacation it. for two weeks. Well, thanks. <laughs> Sorry, Sunny. I'm, I'm relating to the audience. They love Carrie. Everyone loves well, Carrie. Well, I love Carrie, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm feeling so. very big shoes today. Yes, but the hat was in her honor. You just took That's it off right. only for the intro. <laughs> no, no more. No, no. I, I, hats bug me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I wear them only when doing? I need when I need some sun shade. This is this is nice. You look like brim. gives me a little shade. Your complexion looks like you all often need some sunshade. Well, I live in Southern California, and yeah, I do. It's hot here, although. Fall is coming, so it's changing, but even then you get sun. Yeah. Well, how you been? How's your weekend? Pretty good. Went to Disney. Did you? Uh, yeah. Went to Disneyland yesterday. Do they yesterday. require vaccination to go to Disneyland? What's they the do rule? not. I've never been asked or I don't know. I think, you know, it's mostly outside, but a lot of stuff is closed there, so you can't go inside anymore with you know bunched up and they're very very hyper about masks oh they are um but other than that it's kind of business as usual and i think they've capped the number of people who can be in there which actually makes it way more pleasant to go there because i mean i actually have never been there before covid this is my oh, first really? yeah <laughs> i mean i've been to disney world but um i'd never been to disneyland so I've been twice now post COVID and it's nice. The lines aren't that long and it's just, I've been to Disney world where lines are huge. And so I'm imagining yeah. it's much smaller there. So I'm imagining it'd be pretty oh, crowded. It's pretty there. bad. Yeah. yeah. No, Disneyland has normally been pretty bad. So, uh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, were you taking your child? I was. Sticking... Or are you just going by yourself to hang well, out? You know. <laughs> Actually, it's funny because I'm tempted to go by myself. We have we just bought season passes, and um, they have this new Star Wars exhibit. And I'm I, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit of a Star Wars nerd, but I'm mostly just a sci-fi. I really like science fiction, 
And the new Star Wars section, they have a whole part of the park that's now just Star Wars. And it it feels like you're on another planet. It's really well done. And I've only sort of swooped through there a couple of times. I haven't gone on any rides because they're they're just a little too adult for my seven-year-old. So I want to go by myself. <laughs> so I can go into these Star Wars rides. What's your opinion on Star Wars? I was I was a huge Star Wars fan until um my twenties when then they they kind of ruined I in my opinion, they like those those the three movies came out, uh one, two and three came out when I was in my twenties and that was disappointing. But I was willing to give them another chance. And then uh, I don't think I've even seen the latest Star Wars. I just, I've lost so much interest that I stopped watching. Yeah, that's exactly my story. I, I was a big <laughs> fan. Uh, you know, it's hard. They're out of chronological order. So four, five, and six. You know, big fan of number, you know, Star Wars, the first one that came out in the and Empire Strikes Back. But um, the, the one, two, three, they're just silly. They're just a little too poorly done, silly. They're not very sophisticated. Although now when you go back and watch like A New Hope, the first Star Wars, that's also very unsophisticated. Yeah. But I I watched um, a couple of the new ones that came out recently. They were okay. I liked Rogue One okay. I liked the solo one okay, but they weren't great. They were just like, okay, this is an entertaining sci-fi. It's another movie come and gone. I'll never watch it again. And I never saw the last one just because I, I heard a lot about it and like, I'm not interested. Yeah. That's exactly where I am. I never saw the last one. I don't think I saw the, the solo one either. I did watch the Mandalorian because people really pressured me to watch it and they were right. It was pretty good. Yeah. I watched that. That was pretty good. I don't yeah. even think of that as Star Wars. It's so funny. <laughs> I guess that no, is Star it, Wars. Is, right? But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's a what little grittier. Sci-fi things? Oh, speaking of that, I, I Foundation just came out. Did you see that on Apple? Did you ever read Isaac Asimov? No, but now my wife and I both want to read the book before we watch anything because I know that we're supposed to read. I mean, Foundation, the series is very highly recommended by lots of Nerds like you. You like the yeah. you like the Foundation series? I read it a long time ago. I don't remember a lot about it, except my sort of overall impression. I liked the description of the universe. He's really creative in terms of the technology and how the worlds work and the psychohistory. I mean, it's all just so inventive. For that reason, it's good. But it's so epic in terms of its chronology that you can't, get into any characters. So there's no, if you're a person who likes to read fiction and hook into a character, it's not for you. And that's kind of me. Oh. I, I, so I enjoyed reading it, but it wasn't, I never read it again. And most things I like, I read, you know, two, three times. Yep. Um, like, for example, Game of Thrones, not sci-fi, Uh-oh. but kind of the other side. I have read those books. I, I read the ones that were out and I think it was like book one and two when I was young. And then it takes him seven, eight years to write the next book. And I would go back and read one, two before reading three because I'd forgotten enough about it. And then when the fourth came out, I went back and read book one, two, three. And they're huge. They're like this big. So I've read that series 
don't know, like seven times. Oh. And because it's so character driven, it's so entertaining to me. I just plow through it because I'm the suspense of what is going to happen to these people that I care about. And Asimov just doesn't do that. He's, it's all generational. And like the person that you want to find out what happened to them, they just fall out. You know, you're now 300 years in the future. And so they're just dead. <laughs> so, oh. oh, well, move on, moving on to the next phase. So, I mean, they're worth reading, I guess, but I don't know that it makes that big of a difference before watching this show because okay. he also the the show departs from the books quite a bit in order to be more character driven. They've actually right. departed from the, the books, but it's kind of funny in today's times the the thing that sticks out the most for me is how black everybody is. <laughs> I'm sorry, what do you mean? Do you like everybody's physically... a minority? Like, like it's so oh, really? funny. Like okay. white people just don't exist in this future. And what's even funnier is the genetic impossibility of the minorities that they've set up. I mean, if you're going to just be in this future where everyone's no one's white, you, you would have maybe you would Slightly have a village Eurasian type of like right. Everyone would be maybe all... like a mixed. Or if yeah. you go, so in this world, there's like a, it's the whole galaxy. So maybe you're out on some planet. I'll just say it's it, the first scene is on this planet way the heck out. It's a primitive planet, basically a village of people that have generationally been isolated in the galaxy. And you've got somebody super duper duper dark skinned and somebody who's Indian skinned and somebody who's mulatto and somebody who's like, it's, it's this huge difference in skin color when it would be homogenous. Right. You know, but they're just desperate to get minority actors. <laughs> so they took whoever I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't like you know they they can't create the genetic consistency that would actually exist in reality because they don't have enough people sure yeah i, I mean you can that do that with white people because there's enough of us <laughs> i don't know that act well, you i could, mean I, you could you could do it with like another you could just go to china and and film there or you could do it and you could yeah film that would be better else, right? if yeah. everyone's just yeah. asian there'd be enough people but would they speak there are there enough asian actors who speak english that are talented probably not know. So you have a situation where you have you're in Hollywood and you have majority white. So you have this small sliver of minorities that can act and you just take them all because you're trying to fill this <laughs> huge show with many planets and and it's really stands out. <laughs> so it looks so. it was like it looks shoehorned in. Yeah, it looks fake. Yeah, yeah fair so. enough. Have you read the, um, I know we're not even talking about news. I'm just curious, but have you read the three body problem series? I started it. I just started it. Have you? Yeah. Good. Um, I really like it, but I'm wondering if you'll like it because it's also hard to have character driven nature across. The you actually do have, oddly enough, he finds a way to have characters that survive an incomprehensible time span, but, <laughs> uh, it's not as it's, it's I guess it's more character driven, but it's got that epic feel that you're talking about where it's like, wow. Um, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to ruin it for you. But. 
How, what's gonna, the time span in that novel? Because I thought it was only if I give you the time years, span. But well, then there's three books, and if I give you the time span for all three books, it will ruin the series. Okay, then don't tell me. Yeah, I'll start it. I'll read it. We'll see. It's I good. I think there was something really else good. that I really like. The Expanse. If we're just giving recommendations mm. for sci-fi, like the, the Expanse, Expanse is yeah. great. The, a little bit woke, but not bad. Not bad at all. And I mean, a little is okay, right? Um, yep. But they don't. The other thing about the foundation is they're trying to make the all the white people bad. <laughs> so it's there oh. are a couple of white people, and they turn them into villains, <laughs> even they're the though they're not ones. villains yeah. in the book. There's this main character, Harry Seldon, who's a white guy, and he's the main character in the foundation, the first book. Mm-hmm. And um, he's he's a pivotal character. He's a good guy. He's a scientist. And now they're kind of making him like a jerk, <laughs> like a like a. <laughs> okay, he's brilliant. Fine, we'll follow him. But he's really a jerk. <laughs> and he wasn't yeah. in the book. Yeah, they they don't like they don't like. Yeah, they have a narrative to push. We know that. Okay. Well. Yeah. So expanse. Uh, there was something else recently come to me i like utopia it's not real sci-fi but it's fiction anyway yeah um that's on my list to watch you liked it i did there's a british version and a u.s version they're both pretty good okay you've watched Um, both are they different a little bit okay yeah the brits i the brits have their way i used like i watched the u.s one first and i'm like okay this is good it's kind of like it has the energy that I would expect and the characters in the way I would expect almost, it, it, not in a bad way, but just like, oh, yeah, this is the drama. And the Brits, it was like, oh, this is your hero and this is how the people are. It's like, because you're British and like, that's how you do it. Okay, I understand. Yeah. Um, but uh, but also good. What is so. the British utopia anyway? It's kind of. America. Is it America? <laughs> I don't America know. with less emotion, maybe. Uh, yeah, more royals, um, more stuffiness, more stiffness. More, yeah. I don't know. Brit, the Brits do seem to be more class oriented than America, which makes sense. Oh yeah. yeah. That really surprised me when I went over there. I, I you know, being an American, I, I worked over there for, I had a, I worked for a firm that was over there and over here. So I got a chance to go over and work with people. And there was a small office over there of like 20 people. And one night, then we were all going out to the pub together, the whole company. And the only person not invited was the, the receptionist slash office manager. She literally wasn't invited. And Why? I was like, what, what, she what, was what, what? She's low lower class. class. Yeah. Wow. They didn't think yeah. anything of that. Can you imagine yeah, that also... happening in an American company? It just wouldn't ever. Oh, no. It would never happen. In fact... I don't know. The American companies that I've worked for, it's the receptionist who's planning it, usually, if there's a receptionist. Right. That person's the one that's like, yeah, let's go do this thing and getting everyone to, you know, get off their asses and go out and hang out. Right. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Let's do some Let's do some news, Sonny. All right. Um, let's do it. I know, I know you don't love the news. You said your way of dealing with the news is to laugh at it, so. Uh, yeah. I don't always achieve that. that. Fair I'll enough. Try. <laughs> Fair enough. But it's a healthy goal. Yeah, right. Uh, First I get mad though. Then I as it simmers, then I think I try to make fun of it. What are you mad about? Today? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. What am I not mad about? I don't trust anything anymore. I think that's what's so it's a really weird place to be where there, there are just so many realms where you have to worry about this. Now it's in every, you know, I have to worry about my daughter's school, what they're doing, what the movements across the country for the schools. I I'm worried about AB five, you know about that, right? This. Yeah. I mean, it's been implemented already at this point, right? It's been implemented. I saw today, I'm in an AB five resistance group on Facebook and, I sometimes see notifications from them in my feed. And this woman was in there today saying, I'm a writer. I've been out of work for a few years. I'm getting back into it. Am I allowed to write a book? She says. Right. Are you allowed, allowed to, write to write a book? Yeah. What a great question. What country Maybe do not. we live in? Maybe not. Yeah, but the, I, it's not clear to me that she is allowed to write a book. I'm not sure. It probably right. technically violates the law, but it's just not something they're enforcing. If she writes right. enough books, then she should be hired as an employee. I mean, it's right. so, um, but that question just stunned me that yeah. an American would ask, am I allowed to write a book? Yet. I mean, possibly and, with permission. So. Yeah, right. So now you see you're joking about it. This is good. This is healthy. <laughs> well, can you explain to people what AB5 is? Because not everyone's from yeah. California. So AB5 is, well, good. This is a warning because what is it called? Act Pro is the federal version of this law. And oh, there's are, a federal version of this going on? Yeah, they're trying to make a federal version. So oh, the unions here in California didn't like Uber and Lyft. They wanted all of those employees to become they, – they wanted all those contractors to become employees and and pay union dues. So they wrote – they literally wrote the bill, the unions – and they got it passed here and it was signed and it was a huge disaster. It's an anti-freelance bill. So if you do any work at all as a freelancer, you couldn't do it anymore. You couldn't like create your own LLC and go be a bookkeeper and have multiple clients and kind of freelance for them. You couldn't be a writer and have an LLC and write articles for 10 different publications you know, whichever would take the one that you decided to write this morning or whatever, you know, motivated you. All of the, you couldn't be a musician going into a bar and getting paid for that night. You couldn't be a theater that had a production for three months, just paying these people as contractors. You, the theater would have to take on these people as employees. And then they're not fireable either because, you know, uh, labor laws and stuff prevent people from getting fired. So it it just was going to destroy all local theater, all local bars that had bands. They wouldn't be able to have live music anymore. I mean, and the musicians would be out of work. It was just such a, just a, think of every, think of, there's not an industry that wouldn't be affected by this. And yeah. people who I think are more inclined to do their own thing and be self-employed and not want to have a boss and want to work their own hours and make their own creative way of making a living. Those are the people that were really hurt by this law. So of course, when it was passed, by the way, this was a cross and like a nonpartisan uproar because right. think of all the creative industries that were affected. Yeah, by everyone that. hated it. It seemed everyone like. hated it. And so then they all went begging for exceptions and they all got, you know, slowly those were handed the out. The big ones got exceptions too though, right? 
Yeah. Or no. Didn't like Uber and Lyft get exceptions or no? Or did they push forward you know, and fail? They had to sue. And there's something, I think there's still, I'm not up on the latest on this, to be honest. But I, when I was looking at it, musicians and things were getting exceptions. Writers were getting exceptions. Hollywood got a big fat exception right away. Um, you know, on and on. <laughs> but, you don't mean us, did you? Our butlers can still freelance, correct? Exactly. I, I mean, if one thing I've learned is that Hollywood productions are are like theater productions. They sure. have a they have a three month, four month production. They hire all these people as contractors to work the cameras, and like the entire crew are independent contractors usually because they work just one movie set to the next. And so that was over. You know, it really. So they got a but they got an exception instantly, right? Because they're all friends. So, um, all these exceptions were handed out. Of course, those exceptions can be taken away at any moment. So it really gives the government a lot of control over everybody. And to go begging for an exception, and then if you're not big enough, you don't get an exception. If you're not part of a big enough group, you're not. You don't get an exception. I know a lot of people who left the state, and a lot of companies just stopped hiring California freelancers because. They couldn't follow the law and the exceptions and didn't know how to follow right. it. Yeah. So they just started hiring people from out, outside of the state anytime they needed a contractor. So it was really a disaster. And they're going to do that federally. So that's coming. Yeah, that'll but be great. Look how bad that law is that there's a woman who thinks, am I allowed to write a book? <laughs> that's how bad the law is. It, yeah. Anyway, it's really really kind of no scary. it's ho- it's horrible and 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 uh for those who don't know california's edd it's their employment division people they're already like little jackboots they are the worst to like they're one of the worst in the country if not the worst i haven't started businesses in every state obviously so i'm not 100 percent sure but like they they just they go after you like there's no tomorrow. Like they just, they hate contractors already. They're very strict about like, no, you can't classify this person as a contractor because you know, you told them what to do. Like they, they just, they're, they're, they're really horrible. They come after you a lot. Um, they're very skewed towards allowing former contractors to change their mind and decide later that they were employees and come out. Like they're, they're already pretty horrible. And this just gives them all that much more power um and yeah and, and, and they by the way they will enforce it because they, yeah. they have these little armies of auditors that they they're very aggressive yeah. yeah no they're very very aggressive and the thing that the thing so i i don't know how you how did you react to the exemption requests because i actually opposed the exemption request i opposed the bill too but i opposed the exemption request yeah absolutely um, because again it leaves people in the dust who can't organize and can't get their their little exception. It's just such a bad law. If you need a thousand exceptions to you know to prevent riots <laughs> or to prevent <laughs> your economy from collapsing like tomorrow. And by the way, this thing hit January 2020. Right. It went into effect. Exactly the time COVID when you would hit. want freelancing. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, my concern is that this is kind of the standard, we've talked about this government um, 
procedure, which is you make everything illegal and then you selectively enforce it, which effectively makes people not free at all because you're always violating some law somewhere. Uh, they just are willing to turn a blind eye unless you're not one of them, right? Unless yeah. you're the wrong thinker or whatever, and then they go after you. Yeah, it turns everybody into a criminal. Mm-hmm. And and then your life is just, then you have to toe the line and then you can't speak out or, you know. And right. I was thinking the other day how, you know, when these lockdowns started, I was sort of for them at first. I was worried about what was happening. It was clear that the CDC had no plan. And I didn't, it was like you couldn't get information. Nobody seemed to know what was going on. They, everything was contradictory. I thought, okay, a couple of weeks while they figure out what the heck is happening, and then we can act. But, you know, of course we'll act. We'll have UV lights killing the virus. We'll have all these treatments. The doctors will figure it out. Like, I didn't expect that we would just be locked down for two years and masks and all that stuff for, you know, not even two years, I guess, but like, eight, you know, for a long time. Yeah. And, I realized that the reason that they get away with this is because of all of these other laws. Because when they increment, like, for example, you know, you can't fly without their permission across country. They, right. They've controlled that. You can't, I mean, there's so many areas of your life. The ports are controlled by them. The airlines within the country, not just without the country, but within the country are controlled. There's so, the schools are controlled. There's so many ways that they can affect your life. Yep. Um, so these little incremental things that they pass that in and of itself taken independently, you go, well, okay, I guess I don't like it, but I'll put up with it. But then there's a whole bubble around you of these things. Then the moment they want to flip the switch, they can flip the switch, which they did. Yeah. yeah. It's death by a thousand cuts. And then suddenly it's like, oh, you're bleeding to death. Like that's, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of, yeah. And they, uh, I mean, suddenly, the, and then, you know, when they want to, they decide the CDC can can uh, impose an eviction moratorium. Yeah. Like, and right? and everyone's like, yeah, the, hey, that's wrong. Wait a sec, that's wrong. But you can't do anything about it. Right. It's like they, they're now controlling everything. So what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And it, so I think it's so, I mean, it's hard. It's a really good strategy, this, you know, incremental tyranny. It works. Yeah, and it's and it, and and it catches people who are asleep at the wheel, which is most of us, right? So, because it's like, because m- most people aren't principled at all, it's like, well, this would be a convenient power to have in this one case, and it's like, okay, well, okay, in that case, I understand. Well, you're dealing with real criminals, and this would make it easier for law enforcement, or oh, it would be, you know, if they just had this power, this would be easier to implement, and it would be better, and like, it, there's there's a million of those little things, and before you know it, uh everywhere you turn, there's one of those little, some agencies got its fingers in your life somehow. Um, yeah. And, and the illegal ability to do whatever it wants with you. At which point, are you free at all? I would probably argue, no. If you're asking, you're not, am I allowed to write a book? You're not free. You're not free. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. By the way, Greg, Greg the baritone in chat pointed out that it's not yet anymore. It's mayo. But oh. <laughs> uh, that's, right. that's correct, Greg. It is. It is that. Uh, <laughs> but it used to be yet. I'm showing my age. Um, yeah. No, I I agree with you. What? Uh, oh, 
I love this quote from Ayn Rand. I'm just some, someone just, Dion is our, she's our resident quote queen. She just sends quotes in super chat constantly. She says, the question isn't who's going to let me, it's who's going to stop me, right? Um, it's a great Ayn Rand quote. I think, was it Rourke who said that? Or was it Reardon? I don't remember who said that. I think it was, I, I don't know. I should know that. And I don't, I think, yeah, I think that's actually a quote from one of her characters. It is. It is I a quote from one of the characters. Galt, in the book. But oh, maybe it is Galt. Yeah. Maybe it is. Anyway, uh, yeah. The problem. The problem, though, is the answer is every. There, like the entire federal government's going to stop you now. Yes, that's right. Every, there's no, there's multiple well, layers of government that will stop you. I mean, the way they have it now is well, we won't stop you, but you can't travel. You can't. Uh, pretty soon they'll, you know, have your currency locked down. They've got these QR codes coming. I mean, I don't know where, where was I saying? Oh, I read this thing that was written from somebody in Lithuania who was just describing, look, okay, I'm unvaccinated and this is what life is like and how it's getting increasingly clamped down and they can't go to grocery stores and they can't, what, you know, it's like, right. oh, they don't, okay, we're not going to force you. We're just going to make life impossible if you don't do what we right. say. That's kind of the modern way of. Um, yeah, we're not going to stop you. You just can't eat, drive, leave the house, yeah. see anyone else, earn a living. Yeah. Go to the doctor. Like educate breathe. your children. Yeah, you right. can't do anything. But we're not stopping you. Right. Feel free to live magically. Magic is still allowed. I don't know how that's as... not prison. Like they kind of put you in a prison. Yeah, it's your house, but it's a prison anyway. Um, and and they found a way to kind of force themselves on you without although if you look at what's going on in australia <laughs> that's that's like definitely i don't know that's just direct force going on down yeah there at this point. i'm wondering how they feel about giving up their guns yeah right <laughs> have you yeah. seen some of this footage out of with the it makes my blood boil this footage. yeah with the, the with one the, that uh, bothers me the most i mean i know there's like the old lady that was pushed down and and pepper sprayed that bothers me like a lot of them bother me there's people getting beat up but for some reason the one that tugs at my heartstrings the most and maybe because i'm a parent is the one where there it wasn't like a lot of beating up or anything it was just a mom with a sign i think oh, yeah, protesting with her one. kid I and think the I cops cried when i saw arresting. that yeah and, and the, and the child is like, going mom mom and he's he's crying and he's begging yeah. them to or he's not begging them but he's just crying and crying out for his mother Right, oh. and there and there's a bystander saying like, "What are you doing? She's not doing anything. Her kid's right yeah. here," and they're just like, "Just doing my job, just doing my job," like, yeah. which is the worst line ever. Um, but yeah, it's that one makes me get violent. That video, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> it radicalizes you. <laughs> it does. That video radicalizes me. I mean, you know, I. I don't know how you stand there. There's a guy I follow on Instagram. I don't spend a lot of time on Instagram, but he's a um, he's a uh, we'll say he's in the world of security, probably three letter agency type security dude, but not sure, not clear. Like does does a lot of stuff in non permissive environments and other places, um, and he's he's posts videos from around the world. And one of the comments he's made quite often, which I never really stopped to think about. I mean, I kind of knew it in the back of my mind, but 
I've, I've been thinking about it more and more, is he he points out that like we are now in a culture, we're in a world in which people are happy to film something going on, but never intervene. Like the problem is that you're watching it. The problem is that the camera person standing there, like instead of putting the camera down and grabbing helping. the child, comforting the yeah. child. Yeah. Doing something. I actually had that thought when I was watching that video. I thought, why isn't somebody helping this child? Like, why? The, the, even the mother is sort of like, I mean, at a certain point, she bends, she has her arm around her kid or whatever. But if I'm this woman watching another woman get arrested, I'm going to go straight for that child and like, come here, come here. You know, let me, don't watch, right. you know, come with me. This kid is like four. I mean, it, it's a little, little kid. Yeah, that yeah. one really pissed me off. Um, what 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 bothered you? What other ones bothered you? There's another one of a woman being choked by this cop. Have you seen that one? I don't think I saw that one. She's he's arresting her or whatever, and he's choking her, <laughs> and she's this normal person who was I I can't remember exactly. I think it was for like not wearing a mask. Literally not. She's not wearing a mask. So he's choking her and putting her up against the wall, you know? And I don't know. That's just really, he's a very big man, cop, and she's this little woman and she's not wearing a mask and he's just willing to brutalize her. Yeah. You know, legal, legal brutalize. Someone's saying she had a medical exemption. Yeah, that may be, I don't know. I mean those videos. There's Which another is even worse. one. Yeah, that is even worse. <laughs> and she's, but again, like you said, it's. I, I mean, what's happening down there is people. The laws are very strict, and I don't think people even really know what they are. It's hard to kind of make sense of it, and the cops probably don't exactly know what they are. So they're just kind of going after people, whatever they feel like, and who's going to stop them? Nobody's stopping them, and. Um, there's another video out, I guess today. I haven't seen it. I tried to find it this morning quickly, but a guy was outside of his own house, like a couple hundred meters from his house and with his wife or girlfriend who was eating and he took his mask off to have a smoke and they arrested him. These cops arrested him and they took it. They took him down on the sidewalk and the woman's yelling, that's his house. We're just here eating. And he was just having a cigarette and, uh, you know, and they're taking this guy down. And I mean, how is this even happening in the world? Because we've hired a police force full of sadists who think that just doing my job is, is, is a valid moral excuse. Right. Well, and I think what I was listening to Tim pool this morning and he was talking about how many cops have resigned in the last year um, probably from the BLM stuff, but also there are people now explicitly saying they won't take the vaccine. And so they're getting fired. Um, right. and then there are, are, I think 40% of the Minneapolis police force has retired. It's some wow. crazy number like that. And if I were a Minneapolis cop, I mean, I would, <laughs> I would get out of there too. Yeah, I would, I would retire um, as well. Because your life is in danger. In a way that it, I mean, it was anyway, like you were in danger from criminals and now you're just in danger from woke politicians and your own boss isn't on your side. So, um, well, I mean, I, yeah, although I, I hold the cops, like I hold them responsible in many ways because, you know, we're not in the days of, 
again, this is an incremental thing. It was like, well, now enforce this law. Well, that's not constitutional, but drug dealers are bad, but also I'll enforce it. Now enforce this law. Well, that's not constitutional, but they're probably bad guys, so I'll enforce it. Yeah. Well, now enforce this. Like, you end up with a police force full of people who, many of them join actually, well, I don't know about the newer ones, but in the olden days, you had, you know, a lot of the old timers joined for the right reasons in the sense yes. that, like, they want to keep the community safe and support right. the Constitution and, like, do, you know, more Andy Griffith-style thing. Like, that's what they wanted. Um, but they they didn't say no to enforcing laws that they knew deep in their hearts were wrong, were unconstitutional and were wrong and shouldn't be enforced. And they did it anyway. And now you end up with uh, a police force, especially now that a lot of the old timers are retired, where you just have, it's just sadists. It's just people willing, like, well, will you beat someone up for a paycheck? Yes. Okay. Right. You're that, hired. That's what Tim Pool was saying. And I mean, to your point, there was probably an incremental wave after wave of the people replacing the good people the you know, the old timers. And over time, you know, I mean, think about even 30 years ago, what kind of person is saying, I think I'll become a police officer. You know, it's right. just not really a good job, you know, like it yeah. used to be. It didn't, it used to be kind of a community hero job. It's not that job anymore. It hasn't been for a while. And now these huge massive amounts of people are leaving and the people left are more of the rule followers more of the you know just getting a paycheck do what i'm told yeah and that's when you yeah. end up with a with a force like you have in australia although i would totally believe that that could happen here now i don't oh, it, think it we're any i think we're exactly there and we've seen it happen i think um in this country in little ways, we've seen that exact kind of thing happen. Uh, not yeah. the huge. I don't know if you saw the footage of the when the protest and the the police, like an army, was walking across the field and they're running and they've got these rifles and they're shooting rubber bullets, but still they're shooting at people. Right. As they're screaming and running, they're shooting into a screaming running crowd. I couldn't believe yeah. that. But yeah. it would happen here tomorrow, especially in like a town like L.A. where the police force is degraded so much and they're all woke and they're all just rule followers. And you have police chiefs bowing down to the criminals last summer. You saw that all across America. Yep. yep. So it is a, it's it, it could easily happen here tomorrow if the order were given. Yeah, that's one of the disappointing things to me is that a lot of Americans have always assumed that like, well, the cops are always good. They'll never do that. The cops will never do this. And I think what people forget is like a lot of the crimes that you read about in history, um, they're committed by police. And it, it's not like it's not like Americans have some special DNA mixture that makes them not do bad things. Like, I think we had yeah, a cultural absolutely. thing, though, of sort of freedom and... You we know. did. Yeah, we did. But, you know, I, I mean, even the Soviet Union wasn't always full of commies. Like, it became communist, right? Uh, Germany became Nazi. Like, that's, you know, it, it's not that... I, I just... The idea that there's something magical that's going to protect us, I think, is is sticking our head in the sand and just kind of ignoring the reality that, like, we need to police the police. We need to police what we're asking them to do. And they're not yeah. Andy Griffith anymore. So No. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry, you look like you're going to say news? something. I was going to no. do some super chat stuff really quickly. Okay. Uh, just while we're here, uh, we just got a sticker from Andrew Joyner, the Shiba dog. Thank you, Andrew. Sergeant Hodel, good name. I don't know what Bitcoin's at lately, but uh, New York Governor Kathy Hochul, jabs from God, unjabbed. Oh or not yeah, I saw that God. video. I did not see this. What is this? Have you seen this? So yeah, so this New York. I don't. They said it was New York governor or somebody, but I thought the governor was Cuomo. Is he gone now? <laughs> That's I how out of it was. I am. If uh, he's gone, then this is the person who took over, this woman. She's at a church, and she's saying that God wants you to take the vaccine. <laughs> God gave us these vaccines. He wants you to take them. Yeah. Thus solidifying wokeism as a religion, right? Uh, yeah. Or statism as a religion. Uh, Richard Pett says, Hi, Sonny and Carter. Have you ever watched George Carlin's piece where he rants on germs? Very funny and perfect for today. Cheers. I don't think so. I haven't seen that. Mm -mm. I'm going to make a note of that, though, because yeah. that sounds like it would be good. I mean, I like George Carlin generally. Uh, TPS says, Are there are these in the U.S.? I think he's talking about the cop stuff. Or, uh, are there links on unsafe.com? Yeah, it's, it's Australia. And actually, there is a bunch of links. I put a bunch of some of the stuff we're talking about, including the taking the kid away. That is on unsafespace.com. It's it's on the page web page from Friday's episode, actually, because we like briefly touched on stuff. So I just put a bunch of links in there. So um, you can find it there. Uh, yeah, you so okay, now we can move on. And we're, we're done with super chats. Let's um, you wanted to talk about Rihanna. Oh, yeah. We have news about Rihanna. Well, so, I mean, just the, I'm just grasping for any positive news. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I do feel like there is, there is a cultural element in America that is still there. And people are just trying to figure out a way to assert themselves without damaging their lives too much. I think we're all still in this shocked place of, well, you know, we have so, we live in a great country with like a lot of wealth and a lot of good things and we've been living our lives. And I think a lot of people have woken up in the last couple of years, right and left, you know, I think a lot of people on the right used to trust the GOP and they're losing mm. respect for that. Um, and people are just not trusting anything anymore. So you see this growing kind of grumbling going on and and I really like that we're starting to see it with top-level celebrities. You you sent me a Michael Douglas thing. To oh, me, yes. that's kind of related. We can talk about yep. that too. But so this latest thing with Nicki Minaj and her, you heard about that, right? I can't remember. Yeah, what we yeah, about yeah. I think we, we talked about that at some point, yeah. So she, um, not only did she kind of fight back against the White House and named, you know, and they called her and wanted to re-educate her. And she's like, how about we do that live in front of my fans? You know, oh, she <laughs> which said I thought that? was, yeah. I didn't realize. Yeah. She Did said, they say yeah, no? Never let's mind. do a Zoom call and we can let everybody watch it, <laughs> which they've refused to do. Of course. Because they yeah. wanted to intimidate her, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, And I don't know what they would use to intimidate her, but I'm sure they have their ways. We have our ways. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So 
but not only did she go after them, but a journalist with the Guardian tried to contact this cousin whose friend was injured, apparently, mm-hmm. and threatened him. Said, well, CNN's in this country looking for you, and I'm sure they'll give away your location and your girlfriend's location, but if you talk to me, I won't give it away, right? And Nikki posted these private messages from this Guardian reporter and said, they're threatening my family, you know? Yeah, sure. So now she's going after the media. And the Guardian came out with a response saying, our reporter has received a bunch of death threats over this and it's not okay. It's like, okay. Yeah. Um, They always get their panties in a twist, the reporters, when anything ever happens to them, even if it's a a fraction of what they do to everyone else. Yeah, that that reporter just threatened somebody. They deserve to be afraid. Um, so there's that. And then Rihanna, there's a, you can see the, where I saw this was, uh, website. Can't remember. Oh, I don't Um, know, but I saw it on, I think you sent me something and it's on, it's on the daily mail. Gateway Pundit had it as well. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all over. You can can pull it up Beverly if you want to. Yeah. She's wearing a t-shirt that says speak out before it's illegal. Or something like that. So it's a right. very subtle message. But I guess she also wore a red cap that day, which is a yep. subtle Trump support. Or not so much Trump anymore. I think tr- the movement isn't about Trump. It's a, it's MAGA. It's this, you know, more angry, radicalized, right wing. But I, I mean, there are a lot of Democrats that have moved into this MAGA place, too. Um so it really isn't partisan. I think it's a really nonpartisan kind of movement at this point of Americans who like their country. They, they have basic liberal values and they see that being taken away and they're willing to fight about it or speak out about it. And so Rihanna did that. I mean, we know Kanye West and his whole yep. thing. So we're starting to see um, very, very top level celebrities speaking out against this stuff. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, scroll down, Beverly. There's Rihanna's shirt. Think while oh, it's still think legal. Think while it's still legal. That's interesting that they use the word think instead of speak. Yeah. Because speaking's already not legal. Well, speech <laughs> is if you if you listen to Jordan Peterson, he has a great explanation for why speaking is thinking. Oh, I agree. I I mean I haven't heard Jordan say that, but I think that's uh yeah, I don't think that's a new concept. I, I think it sure absolutely is. In fact, in fact, uh, I think Ayn Rand talked about that. Right? You can't I'm, think I'm sure without. I, right. Yeah, you can't think without the labels for the abstractions because you don't have enough crow in your brain. So, like, you can't hold enough stuff. So you have to label abstractions in order to have complex thought, which means you need language. Right. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's subtle, but you know, the other thing about yeah. this is I think we're going to see more from her, and I also think she's going to get attacked. And probably not right away, but you know how they've done with Kanye where, well, he's, you know, he's crazy. Right. And they've sort of discredited him and they haven't linked it to what he's been saying directly. They've just, on the side, they're kind of going at, they went after him. And that's what they'll probably do with Rihanna. You'll start to see some not so nice stories leaking out about her probably in the next few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. 
maybe maybe even some stories about how she's unstable in some way or well, yeah her, I mean, she's got yeah, a mental. past that whole thing with I'm chris sure brown so, oh yeah is that her? i don't you know what i'm so not up on stuff i forgot that was her with chris brown yeah, yeah. so she got yeah. beat up by him she had this horrible relationship with him um that was very public she's publicly talked about doing drugs um okay so so they can discredit her very easily yeah which is something that they will definitely yeah look for that what i think is fun is to like say okay they'll give it a couple weeks that's my prediction three weeks from now we'll start seeing not so great stories about rihanna coming out you know what's interesting about the this movement you're talking about when you said like mag is not really about trump or whatever anymore the odd thing to me is, and maybe this is a uniquely American thing, and maybe it's good. I don't. It's not intellectual. It's not philosophical. There's not like, it's not principled. It's emotional. It's this emotional response to like, hey, we've taken a lot. This doesn't feel right anymore, and we're angry. And like, I, I almost yeah. feel like that's about the extent. That's almost the extent of it. And there is something positive about that because yeah. most emotions are what's necessary for motivating you to action. You can sit around all day and be like, "Well, I think this is, yeah, you know, unprincipled, blah blah blah." But if you don't feel one way or another about it, you don't do anything. Um, so, I think, I think it's interesting. I don't know. How do you view the mega movement? Do you view it as emotional like that? Yeah. I mean, it in a way, it kind of has to be because it's uniting a lot of different ideological people. I mean, there are people in MAGA who are uh, kind of for a lot of government programs and things like that, you know? Right. And then there are people who are Ron Paul, like FU, libertarian types, um, yep. anarchists. I mean, there's just a huge amount of people, but they are all kind of fundamentally like, quit telling me what to do every moment of my life. This isn't right. Yes. And yeah. it's not right what I'm seeing you do to other people. Like you're, you're, you're being really mean and really nasty and they're, they're mad at the media and, and they've learned that they've been lied to. And I think mm. that's made them very mad, the media lying and all the, so I, I think it has to, it kind of has to be emotional. I think it is actually based on a few, principles that they're maybe not aware of you know that they're sure. kind of embedded in them like a in vague a way grasp of a few principles and they're they're yeah. being violated on a fundamental level and they're angry right. about it yeah. yeah kind of like the feeling of this is my life i get to decide mm -hmm. that i don't think other cultures really have that as much as we do and maybe it is that sovereignty that like individual sovereignty of like yeah i'm not a farm animal i'm not your farm animal yeah. Um, my kids belong to me. My life belongs to me. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of farm animals, by the way, and and some of this, this, uh, it, it's, it's, some of this propaganda is just so, it's getting so blatant. Did you see the FDA's tweets about ivermectin? Yeah. The horse, uh, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Stop, you're not a cow. You're not a horse. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. And their headline was something like, you know, it's it's just for animals, and it's not approved to use it for the coof. I'm saying right. coof for Susan's benefit, right? It's for animals, and it's not approved for using the coof. So I I just looked it up. I was like, well, I wonder how many 
like how often are prescriptions written off label, which is like, it's an approved drug for humans, but it's not approved for that specific use. Roughly one in five prescriptions That's is for an off label use. Yeah. It's hugely common. It's hugely common. Off label use happens all the time, but they're trying right. to scare you by like, here's a picture of a horse and it's not approved for the coof and da, da, da. it's like, yeah, but doctors could certainly prescribe it. And even in the article, like you have to read later down, they're like, well, if your doctor does prescribe it for the coof, please, you know, take it according to the prescription. It's like, yeah. <laughs> if you can get a yes. pharmacy to fill it for you at this point. <laughs> right. Not anymore. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the, you know, you also, you brought up this earlier about your, you know, you thought, oh, it'll be a couple of weeks and we'll fight this thing. Yeah. Um, and here we are locked down. The thing that strikes me as odd also is not odd, but, um, evidence that there's something else going on here, which we all kind of know, this isn't really about the coof. It's about control. Um, yeah. What other, what other major illness like this, like a communicable disease or whatever, what other illness like this is, is exists in an environment in which it is verboten to discuss treatment? Like yeah. you're not allowed to talk about treatment or prevention other than like stupid mask, whatever, but like, you're not allowed to talk about like, this is how you treat this. If you get it, yeah. here's some treatment options. Treatment has been completely abandoned as, as a legitimate discussion. Um, and it's been, that's been true for a long time. Yeah. I thought that was really weird. I remember watching that in real time and going, why aren't we talking about treatments for this thing? And it started with the, the one that when, when Trump was doing his press conferences and he brought up one, which I won't say, cause I, I think it might still be a sensor right. trigger. The fish food. The fish food. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Fish tank cleaner, and whatever it was. Yeah. Drinking bleach. Yeah. <laughs> there was the yeah. bleach, which actually was a treatment that people were working on, but it, it wasn't drinking bleach. It was of course, obviously something else. The UV <sighs> thing. Mm -hmm. um, there actually are so many things, including nasal sprays that are, that are, the people are working on. I saw a video in, I think it was like September last year from a video in June where a doctor was saying, Hey everybody, budesimide works. <laughs> it really works. It's like 90% effective. And he was going on every show he could to talk about his success with this. And, and, and now they're just starting to agree. The FDA is just starting to say, okay, budesimide might be a reasonable treat. Mm -hmm. That was from June last year. Right. And they were just really, really cutting that off. They didn't want that to happen. And I've heard people say, well, it's because if there was a treatment, then there couldn't be emergency use granted to the, Oh, for the, the you can say, that. Yeah. yeah, but I don't believe that because they were, they were getting rid of all kinds of regulations at the time to speed that through. I mean, they can decide anything they want. They can decide. Yeah. They clearly are not held by any bound by any laws, principles yeah. or anything else. So, so what it really yeah. was, was to convince people to take it versus yes. treatments that are more benign and less dangerous. Yeah, I, that's what I think it is. I think it is they don't want to talk about treatments because uh, if you can have, if you can say, well, there's treatment options, it reduces the likelihood that you'll say yes to the jab. 
if the general public believed that, oh, you know, you don't have to worry about this because there are so many treatments now that basically the numbers are even better than the flu in terms of adverse event, adverse events. Um, if people thought that, if would that they take true. an experimental drug? Probably I don't not. think they would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's weird. I'm trying to yeah. talk about this without saying anything too. No, no, I, I appreciate it because I, I don't want to get banned I don't even know again. how to do that. Um, it's hard. It's difficult. Yeah. Right. And this is another thing, obviously, <laughs> if this were, if there weren't some other agenda, we'd be able to have discussions yeah. about it. Like, am we I allowed to write a book? We can have discussions about, right. That's what that yeah, feels am like. Am I allowed to write a book? Am I allowed, yeah. to, write am I allowed, allowed to talk allowed to about talk treatment about options? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. So. Are we allowed to debate the efficacy of, no. Okay. Um, yeah. What also surprised me, again, it's like this idea that I didn't realize that we were this far gone. And that's been the biggest shock to me. It's not like, you know, I pay attention to a lot of news. I have my own podcast. I've been doing this, paying attention to a lot of news for the last decade since Obama took over and they started to pass Obamacare. I started reading the news. Um, and I was really taken aback that we were this far gone. You, that, you thought people would say no to this kind of heavy handed to lockdowns and the mandatory too. masks and things. Yeah, I did. I thought that, you know, when, when they first did the lockdown, I, I wasn't afraid of it because I didn't think they would ever try to extend it. <laughs> and then again and again and again, I, I, because I didn't think that they believed that people would let them do it. Yeah. And they did believe that and people did let them do it. And I think now they're emboldened. Yeah, for sure. So now it's going to take a really big effort on our part, I think, to reverse this. Yeah. Yeah. Although I was seeing, um, Beverly was telling me the, I guess the president of Croatia has done this. And I think, was it also Sweden has done this now? They've basically said, we're done with fear. Like, this is over. We're done. It, it is. It's spreading, and it's interesting. It's spreading in that region, Norway, Denmark. Same with them. They've they've gotten rid of all of their COVID regulations. Sweden never had any really. Um, yeah. They had some, but uh, yeah, that's that's good news. Yeah, that's interesting. I I do wonder if some of the, I guess Croatia is the only one that fits into this category of like the former Soviet bloc countries are just kind of like you know. This is this smells too too similar to the you know our old Do you think farm. That's it. But why wouldn't know. the Germans be kind of right there understanding that? Um, maybe because uh, they were the occupier, not the occupied. Yeah, I was gonna say the Germans. <laughs> the Germans are weird, man. Yeah, I speak as a yeah. German, by the way. <laughs> no, they are weird, and they also have like they have this. Uh, I remember it was like the late 90s or early 2000s. I was in uh, Berlin. And at that time, you could still see the difference. between. Maybe you can't now, but you could still see the difference between East and West Berlin. It was like, oh, dilapidated, horrible architecture that's all gross and dirty and a cool city. Like, And there's like a yeah. dividing line. It was very clear where, where East and West were. But I remember I was in a cab, and I got into a conversation with the, the cabbie, and he was oddly like shamed and guilty about 
the the Nazis. Holocaust. And I was like, well, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, why? Like, he was too young to have been involved. So I was like, well, why are you, why do you feel so bad? You didn't do anything, dude. You just like, grew up in the aftermath of this. And he said, oh, well, they teach all of us to be very ashamed of Germany um, in school. And like part of their curriculum is is feeling shame. And I can't help but think that's like getting a bunch of people to feel shame for something they haven't done is just the flip side of the coin of becoming totalitarian again. Like eventually that will just flip itself because people will be like, I didn't do this. In fact, if you're going to accuse me of doing this, here we go again. Like it's not a it's not a healthy response of, hey, yeah, or here's how this happened, you know, have so much insecurity that they don't they're just easily led. You know, yeah, there's that, too. Yeah, I, I don't think it's with, flipped with the white all. shaming. Um, yes, I, I worry about where that's going to go. I, I think on the one hand, white people are going to be justified to say, hey, uh, knock it off. Right. Like right now, I'm concerned about my child and I don't want her going to school and being told that she's bad because she's white and right. that she needs to somehow suck up to these superior minorities. Um, but that's kind of the whole CRT thing. And that's not at her school, but you know, it's in the culture. So it's seeps in there too. I, I got like that scholastic book catalog that they send home and they want, and it's just in that whole thing. They're really yeah. pushing books about minority kids I'm fine with those being out there and them being I, – I, I'm not against that, obviously, but she's white. Um, what message are you sending her when all the books are minority? And then they'll say to me, well, that's what minorities have had to put up with. But there are no books for them or something, so we're, they're just doing it to her now. But it's it's wrong. <laughs> it's a revenge it, right. fantasy. If it was you know? wrong, it's, like this, it's revenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So – at some point, you're going to see a backlash. I mean, you're already seeing that. You are seeing a growing group of people fed up and yeah. becoming basically white separatists. Right. And, and it's hard to blame them sometimes because they yeah. – I think that a lot of times they look at this and they're like, well, what are our options? Like you're, we're being made separate and inferior and we just choose – like I'll just – we'll just choose to be separate instead and like – yeah. I don't want to be in a culture. Who wants to be in a culture where like that's the explicit message that you're trying to deliver? Yeah. Right? And it was wrong when it was delivered to other that's ethnicities. Right. And And like, I don't think it was I mean it was at a certain point, but when I grew up no, I would wasn't. say that that was not there. I, I don't I remember seeing black shows, reading sh books about black people, um Asian people, Indian people, yeah. American Indian people. Um so it just, but it wasn't 90%. It was sort of like the right percentage and <laughs> everybody seemed to be getting along. So, I mean, I grew up, I don't know if you knew this, but I grew up in a very inner city, uh, kind of a poor neighborhood, very, very integrated. And, you know, that I just, I didn't see anything racist going on. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of people, I mean, there's a difference between like, are there some people who are racist? Like, yes, of course, there are some yeah. people who are racist. Um, but yeah, it's, and and that's the, it's this collective guilt. It's collectivism at its core is the problem, yeah. which is like, 
we're not punishing your child specifically. We're punishing white white people. And it's white people that have done this to this particular ethnicity. Um, and that's just false. That's not how it works. White people didn't do this to this ethnicity. Certain individuals did it to other individuals. And, you know, Sargon, actually, Sargon of Akkad has a really good, I think it's a Lotus Eaters video about this, um, which I've, I'm have i going to have my daughter watch. But it's about uh, slavery. It's about the UK. Uh, Pirate Tomsky shared it in Telegram the other day. And it's um, it's really well done. He just talks about the history of, not the history of slavery as such, uh, although he does get into that, but also the history of slavery specifically as it relates to the UK and the eradication of slavery. And, yeah. um, you know, this idea that, first of all, this idea that we get to take credit for our ancestors' achievements or accept guilt of our, from our ancestors' achievements is just, that's just wrong philosophically. Um, but if you're going to start playing that game, uh, you have to give the Europeans, specifically the British, credit for ending slavery around the world. That's yeah. like they spent resources, energy, lives to end a practice that has been with humanity since the beginning of humanity. Um, yeah. And that's a noble thing. And again, I don't think that if you're British, you're allowed to feel pride for something that you didn't do. Um, I mean, you can if you want to, but like, I'm not a big, I'm not big into like ancestral pride or ancestral shame. But if we're gonna play that you game, can be, we, you we can have to be, be good about the it. kid of an immigrant in England and feel proud to be English, part of yes. the country that did that. I, I, it's not. Fair. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to like. It's not so much proud of the person or the past, but you're you're appreciative and proud of being part of that history at this point, even if you're at the end of it, you know, I think, that's I guess okay. that's fair. I, I guess that's fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know I what I, you're saying. I'm not hundred percent like, certain on that. Yeah. If okay. pride's the right word, or if it's like appreciation and respect for, or maybe I, I'm not sure. I have to think about that respect for but again it's people need these emotional ties like you go to high school you wear those colors and you cheer for your team whether you're i mean you didn't you didn't make that high school great <laughs> or you right. know what i'm saying right. but you're still kind of you're on that team and i know a lot of people think of that as tribalism but i think especially if you're part of something good um it does unite you. People wonder about, I get asked this a lot because I'm a big fan of the Royals. I love following the Royal gossip. Um, it's just, it's just gossip celebrity. It's fun, but it's living history too. And, uh, people say, well, you know, they want to get rid of the monarchy and everything. And that might be okay, but I don't think today it would be a good idea because it's kind of a unifying thing. And without it, I'm not sure. I, you know, I think that country would probably fall apart because socially, really? emotionally, they don't have, they need that to kind of, it binds them. People love the queen, you know, it's just an do emotional, they love the queen? a lot of people do love the queen. She's got this huge approval rating, like 80% or something. 
Huh. You know, but she's very benign. She's doesn't really take a stand on anything. She is a symbol of more cultural things than political. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm People come from all over the world and live there and and then cheer for the queen and fly the flag. And the patriotism stuff is not nothing, I guess is what I'm saying. It helps people stay united and not fight each other. I'm saying this to an well, anarchist, I realize. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so I, 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 when you said people call it tribalism, like I often refer to a lot of that as tribalism, but I don't necessarily, I think tribalism is a human psychological need in some yeah. sense. I think that's um, what I'm talking and it's about. One, yeah, and I think there's, I think actually one of the healthy outlets for tribalism is sports um, because it allows you to, uh, well, I guess in the UK, they get violent over who is supporting what team. But in most places, uh, and maybe some some in the US, I guess Raiders fans are violent, uh, but whatever. Um, in most places, you can have you can you can have that sense of tribalism and enjoy that kind of community for a particular team. But at the end of the day, you recognize that you're like, it's not like, oh, I'm not going to hire that person because they're a Bruins fan, even though I hate the Boston Bruins. Like, that's not a like, that's not a thing. People would do that, though. I mean, you have you have two candidates, and one's a Bruins, and the other one's like I don't even know what these teams Penguins are. Penguins would be better. And and you're into that, you might hire that person because you know that you're gonna have you're from the same area. Maybe you'll have more in common with them. I just hired uh, last year. I hired a nanny from Wisconsin specifically, pulling somebody out of the Midwest because I got so tired. Of the cultural differences between me and all these other people. And then finally I had someone in my house that kind of got me and the way I talked and like my psychology and I got her and there was, we just had, Hmm. uh, we don't have a ton in common as people, but we had that cultural thing that made us connect better, I think. Sure. And communicate better. And I, I think, I don't know, it's just... That that's not really related to the royal thing, but we're talking about being proud of your country, I guess. And didn't you ever feel glad to be part of the American experience, oh, yeah. experiment, Constantly. and what that meant, and and appreciate the founders? And there's a feeling of belonging to something big and important. Yeah, you know? and, and I would I would the the feeling that engenders in me is gratitude. Right, which is like I'm lucky to be. I, I mean, so I could have been born anywhere in the world. I used like to feel so lucky. <laughs> Do you yeah, still well, feel lucky? Yeah, it's still better than a lot of places, right? And so, uh, yeah, I still feel like this gratitude of like, okay, I got to be born here and now, and like that's better than most other options. And I guess is there pride about the U.S. Like I have a lot of reverence for the founding fathers and what was in the, in the experiment of the United States. And I think I'm lucky to have been a part of it, even if it's the tail end of that experiment and, and be part of it in that way. Um, I guess what I'm pushing back on is a feeling of like, well, therefore, uh, I'm going to feel superior to someone who wasn't part of that experiment. It's like, okay, well, 
I'm lucky but to be part of the experiment. Why does it have to do with anybody else? I, maybe it's just that word pride or you're thinking, maybe. well, if you're a Brit today, can you take credit for ending slavery? No. No. Can you right. be proud to be part of a nation that is like that, that has that kind of, I mean, gratitude is a good word and appreciation. Can you be shamed? If you're German, can you feel shame? Like if you have pride for being British, can you feel shame for being German? Should you? Because there's a flip yeah, side of that, right? Really like if you're going to be like, oh, so, pride is, is like, all right, yeah. then you should feel shame for being German. Yeah. And you're, you're I screwed mean, up because you're German. So yeah. In America. Oh, listen, I know those cultural things and some of them drive me nuts. The control and the, um, the sort of hyper conscientiousness <laughs> if we're using the <laughs> sure we can use the big the five personality, personality traits the big five yeah. personality traits um it must be like this and when i hear klaus schwab talk like this is what i hear i hear a person who's like, okay i want an orderly society and it's it's going to be clean and not messy and um people like that can't don't like freedom it's too messy it's actually um, quite progressive by the way that that attitude is what progressivism was. It was like the technocrats should come in and run everything so it's clean and efficient and precise yes, and right. all this mess is that we don't want that. We want efficiency and yeah. precision. That is progressivism. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's German. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, should they look at their culture and go, what's wrong with us? <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> the damn Germans have ruined everything. Um, Maybe. Uh, but, you know, America's done some, in the last century, I'm a little creeped out by America and some of this, especially mm -hmm. the last 30 years and the stuff that they've done abroad. And well, yep. I mean, it goes back 60 years, 50 years. Our foreign policy has been a disaster. And it's been like an evil empire for everybody but us. So right. I'm, I'm embarrassed about, not embarrassed. I'm not even ashamed. I'm just, I'm very, what's the word? I still feel like an American and I identify with that, but I'm starting to feel like it's not as much of my identity as I used to feel that it was the more I learn and become appalled of the things that have been done. And it's, it's the same thing with objectivism. You know, I think I used to associate myself with that name, but the more kind of junk I see coming out of people who are sort of with that name, the less I want to use that right. word or be associated with that word. So it does, it does change. I, I don't know if pride is the right word, but I used to be proud of being a fan of Ayn Rand and seeing what was good about that. But over time, I'm just like, well, because <laughs> I know that I associate that now with those people. So yeah. well, in America really... as well, right? Like, yeah. Right. So it's a good question. Yeah. I maybe the words are just the wrong words. Pride versus shame. Um, yeah, I mean, there's something again, though. There's something about. I almost feel cheated, in the sense of like, or duped. Duped is a better word. Like, there's this idea of America. And. 
because I, I had a friend come from Kenya who had this experience like directly, right? And she she read about America. Now, granted, this was 20 years ago, but whatever. She read about America. She had this idea that it was this like um, this bastion of freedom and liberty and, oh, this will be great. It's this free market and, and limited government. And, you know, it's so much different than where I'm from. And she finally took her years to get here. She finally got here. And her overall, and, and by the way, this is someone who, like, loved the founding fathers, read the, the founding documents, like, loved the, the idea, wholeheartedly loved the idea. And got here, and she was like, oh, God, they lied. They, she felt lied to. She felt like, oh, I've been lied to. That's not what this is. This is just, that's when what it was. When did she get here? Uh... Oh, that's what it early was. 2000s. Okay. Yeah. Even she was like, then, this is not was... much different. Yeah. Hmm. She was like, this isn't really that much different. Like, yeah. Okay. It's harder to get a phone in Nairobi because you have to bribe the phone guy and whatever. But like, yeah, this isn't really the, this isn't what I thought it was. I don't know what she thinks now. I haven't talked to her in a while, but like it's, I feel that way sometimes on a different scale where it's like, I, I feel I associated my my modern America, my country, with the the ideas in the founding documents and the founding fathers, and I kind of conflated all those things together and was like, yeah, this is what I'm a part of. And it's like, actually, no, I'm a part of this thing over here, which has been kind of vile uh, and totally corrupted the thing that I actually want to be a part of yeah. and love. Um, I've been thinking lately that it might be better to be living in a country where people take bribes because then you can live how you want as long as you can bribe them. <laughs> Whereas here, there's that control thing. They don't want the bribe. They want to control you. I don't know. I think maybe you should talk to someone who, who lives in a country with bribes. I don't think it's that fun. Yeah, I don't think it would be that great. Yeah. Let's we do a couple super chats. Uh, G-Man says, glad you guys have the main channel back so I can virtual signal with my green screen name. Welcome back, G-Man. Thomas St. Thomas says, MAGA feels like a revolt against the elite that lives outside of Trump. Yeah, that's a good That's a good thing. It's a revolt against the, like, the cathedral, basically. Yeah. Right? Because it's not just the elite, but yeah, it's... I mean, there are enough people from the elite that are part of MAGA. But yeah, it's that woke uh, elite. Uh, Richard Petz writes, man has only one tool to fight error, reason. Ludwig von Mises in Human Action. Awesome book. One of my favorite books. And yes. I mean, yeah, we can get into reason at some point in the future, but reason is necessary because we're in, we're, we're, cause we're fallible. Like we, we need it. Uh, and Mises is great at it. Um, Prax says, can we distribute a succinct how to commerce? and create local sound money slash how to liberty book as a code of conduct in case things really break down. I don't know what you mean by we, but I will be happy to <laughs> take a look at yours. Uh, yeah, no, I think this is a good idea. I don't have a lot of time to write a book about how to liberty, but I think people have written a lot of stuff about this. I just don't know where they are. Um, it's actually not that hard to run. Like, if you're talking about how to run a society and get along with each other, it's actually not that hard. Like, British common law pretty much gets you most 
like 98% of the way there. Like this is a kind of a solved problem. It's not like we don't know how to have a, a community without, you know, the CIA. Like that's not a, that's not a hard problem to solve. Like we know how to do that. We kind of know property rights matter and, you know, we kind of have some don't steal people's stuff and don't hit them. And like, we, you know, we like, we kind of know how to do it. It's not, it's not actually that complicated. Yeah. Right to a Um, trial kind of. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of things. Good things. British common law. Mm -hmm. Back to the shame thing. um, Mm -hmm. In. So you're saying the Germans are taught to be ashamed. Um, You also had the Angela Merkel who was an East German running the show for quite a while and she was raised on socialism um i don't know if mm. that's impacted how she germany is today ashamed. no she didn't oh um, well maybe though maybe that's why she was like germans suck we need to let other people come in and we yeah. can't defend ourselves at all but, and th- that's what i was just going to say the last i don't know how long they've been teaching in schools teaching our kids to be ashamed of america and that goes for not just what's been going on the last 50, 60 years. In fact, they don't talk about that. They talk about the beginning when it was at its best <laughs> as being the worst. Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. They do. Yeah. I mean, we, what they teach kids, they they rewrite history quite. I, there's one narrative. There's one historical narrative that I learned that turned out to just be one way of presenting facts which i don't actually think is the right narrative right there's this like oh the free market was horrible and we needed the feds to step in and save us from the stock market crash of 1929 and fdr saved the economy and blah blah, blah. it's like ah, <laughs> actually actually you're kind of rewriting history actually the feds are kind of responsible for the crash itself and uh, probably prolonged yeah. it with some of their behavior wasn't and- a free market yeah. yeah, and and actually, you know, FDR kind of laid the groundwork for all of our failures that we're dealing with now. And our what are we at? Twenty some odd trillion dollars in debt. Um, yeah. Richard Petz writes: scapegoating is a zero sum game, and the sooner we, as a species, get past this way of thinking, we can find true community, not collectivism. Yeah, that's I don't that's really know kind. What that means too much. No, I think I, I think I know what he's talking about. Like instead of saying like who did this, like why why was you know, why was there slavery or who did what or whatever, instead of trying to like punish people or say this group of people did whatever, is to say, Hey, let's get past it and figure out how should we be treating people and let's yeah. do that. Which is kind of what we were yeah. doing when you and I were growing up. Like that's kind yeah, of the that's attitude. What we were it doing. Was. I was just gonna say that's how I grew up. I thought that progress meant that's what we did. We just tried right. to be better and better. And I mean, like I've tried to do that in my own life as an individual that I just yeah. keep learning and, and growing and being better and better as a person. Um, yeah. I, I thought that was <laughs> what we wanted. And instead it's like, imagine a life lived like they want America to live where you get older and then you just start taking revenge on the people in your past. <laughs> who did something wrong. Like that's your whole life is, I'm going to go back to high school to this. I'm going to sneak up on this person in their suburban house who bullied me in junior high. Right. And I'm going to bully their kids and I'm going to make sure they pay and they're miserable and awful. And 
I mean, it's psycho. Yeah, it is a little bit psycho. Um, yeah. Last super chat from G-Man says, I don't think one can feel pride just for being from a nation. The pride is derived from the person continuing the virtuous ideals of its founders. Oh, I like that. I like, I like that. that too. Yeah. It's like you relate to the the founders and in relating to them, you're proud of yourself. Yeah. I like yeah, that. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like, oh, I recognize what was good about us and I'm continuing yeah. it. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that, I thank like you, that G-Man. a lot. Yeah, that, that really was a great way. It. And yeah. you can maybe feel similarly shamed. I don't think you would feel shame unless you feel some personal responsibility. Maybe a German, I don't know if a German, but could a person, would a white person feel ashamed of slavery today because there's a part of them that feels like they might do it? They might have done that or? I think that's true for a lot of, uh, a lot of social justice warriors. Yes, I think they are actually racist, a lot of them. And they're projecting their racism on the rest of us. And they are yeah. saying, oh, you treat minorities badly and you're part of the problem of systemic racism. Yeah. And it's like, you're talking about yourself, man. Like, <laughs> right. It's, proje- <laughs> like, it's pure projection. It's projection. I, and so yeah. they're, we should feel guilty for this. It's like, I don't have anything to feel guilty about. I don't feel actually. guilty. <laughs> What's yeah. wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Because you see the same Gosh, thing with, yeah, I, I know... Yeah, I know Carrie has brought this up before with respect to um, the Me Too movement, right? All these guys, all these Me Too guys, whenever they get oh, caught yeah. or whatever, they're all like, us men have to do better. And we should, it's like, dude, you're. Oh, instant creepiness. Yeah, like you're not speaking for me. You're the yeah. creep doing this. Yeah. Stop saying us men, we men have to do better. It's like, well, I, not all men are you, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Yeah, it's really revealing of their psychology because, yeah, most guys don't have to remind themselves to be, you know, good to women and not. Yeah, uh, right. Most guys aren't like, yeah, (laughs) I got to remember to not grab that person's ass. (laughs) Carter, are you walking around going, got to stop myself Mm -hmm. from. Grabbing yeah. her butt. I was about to rape, but I now I remember I have to be better. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, right. right. Who does yeah, that? It's super Only revealing. the creeps. Only the creeps <laughs> say that. And it's funny because I've had like this, when you hear a guy, uh, a, a Me Too SJW guy saying that stuff, I don't even, I have to think about it. I have a, I have a creep radar response going beep, beep, beep. Mm-hmm. You're full of yeah. shit is what I think. But really, they're not. They're just revealing their own psychology. Yeah. And I think what happens for a lot of the for, – for those people and a lot of the social justice warriors and the anti-racist – anti-racist and quote people, uh, what's, I, what's going on is they're struggling with their own failures, their own psychological problems, their own like racism or sexism or whatever yeah. it is. And they're like, oh, my God, this yeah. – we need to do something about these people. We're all we're all evil in this way, and it's like, yeah. mm, and a lot of these people, not? a lot of these white people, grew up without any contact with minorities, and so they probably do kind of think of them as not as good as them, or, you know, I Separate mean, I grew up, mm-hmm. 
I grew up saturated in that in a minority environment. There were, I was part of, I was actually probably in the minority as a white person in my yeah. younger years. And so I never for a second thought of myself as racist because I had, it was more of a, it was really more of a character thing, but probably more of a class thing. You had sort of people of all races with a little more, like their parents cared a little more. They were a little more studious. And then you would get down to kind of like, you know, really, you know, violent kids, real streety kids. And that could be white, black. It was like anything. Right. Um, so you just, you saw things differently. It wasn't a skin color thing. And um, I don't think white people who've never had contact with minorities think of it that way. I, and then, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I, I was going to say this. When I went to college, um, right, uh, the Rodney King thing happened right oh, yeah. as I was coming in. And our dorm person put this group together and we were talking about it. And there was this black girl there who was saying how she had to dress a certain way and talk a certain way, couldn't, you know, because she's black, whatever. And I could just tell from the way way that she was dressed and talked that she did not grow up in a minority environment. Like this is a girl who grew up in a white environment and feels bad about it somehow and about herself for not being black enough. Some, you know, whatever that means. And then, right. I mean, in her mind, that means something. And then, so she's projecting that onto society that they're making her be less black than she would like to be, but she just doesn't have confidence as a black person because <laughs> she grew up around white people. Right. I I find that uh, a lot of these people, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of these people haven't been in environments in which they are, I'm specifically talking about the white people, haven't been in environments in which they're the minority. Um, yeah. Except for where they're the, uh, like, benevolent caregiving minority like they'll they'll go to africa for um you know oh. a a well, uh, peace corps thing right yeah they're, they're yeah. there to like hand out food and money and take care but like or medicine but very few have gone to a country and been like i'm just a regular person i'm trying to fit in and work with other people in this country but i'm in the minority massive minority um and i think it can change your perspective on like oh, actually, this isn't Japanese people being mean. To, like, this isn't really necessarily racism in the sense of, like, they're not... This is what it's like to be a minority. And and I don't know. I'm trying to put this into words. There's not some inherently evil white thing. This is a function of being in, like, oh, you turn on the television and it's all Japanese people. Yeah. Yes. Because you're in Japan. It's Japan. <laughs> like, it, like, oh, yeah. like everything's targeted for them. Yes. Like I, I was right. in Japan with the tall friends of mine, and it was like they're all staring at me. He was black, but I'm like, yeah, dude, you're like six foot six or seven or whatever you are, and yeah. and huge and black. Of course, they're all staring at you. You're, you're like yeah. everyone else is like down here on him and and tiny. Um, but there's this sense of like it's only the Caucasians that are these horrible racists doing this to everyone else. And the fact is, no matter where you go in the and world, that's, that's what white that's privilege what is like. supposedly blind 
to how great we have it because we don't even notice that, you know, people aren't included or whatever. We're, we're just included and we don't notice. And I'm sure if you're in Japan, nobody's sitting around obsessing about what that white American in the room is thinking or not thinking like, because they're just Japanese and they're just doing their thing. Um, yeah, they don't care. I mean, they might actually I, care. They do discriminate a little bit in Japan. They are kind of racist sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. They're, they're you don't go to Japan and yell Asians. at them for... Yeah. The Japanese but, yeah. are very... They feel superior to China and to other Oh, yeah. No, Asian Chinese and Japanese cultures. hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's not and racial. Korean. It's cultural. Yeah. Um, uh, when I was growing up, where I was growing up, all the white kids adopted more of a urban hip hop type of culture um, right. to fit in. Right. It was fine. I mean, I don't really feel bad about it. I don't feel forced that I used to kind of do that a little. Um, whatever. Yeah. It's just yeah. where I was growing up. Yeah. <sighs> One more super chat. Let's do. Uh, did you hear that Keir Starmer? I don't know who that is said he didn't agree that only women have cervixes. I don't know who that I don't is. Know who that is. K-E-I-R-S-T-A-R-M-E-R. But that's, the, in general, that's a growing thing where people are saying they're, they're coming up with different terms for women. Like, you know, um, there was like a different term for mother that was like breastfeeder oh, yes. or... Um, something i don't know i mean they're just really trying to erase women and motherhood and you know our labels i guess yes there's a lot of that going on by the way that person apparently is the leader of the labor is, but... party in the uk oh okay yeah weird there you go why would they be weighing uh, in on that i don't know because the labor party cares so much can we talk about this video i want to before we go because i know we got to wrap up soon I want to talk about this video that I saw going around, which is like, I think it's paid for on Facebook and it's a, like a nine minute, 10 minute video featuring Michael Douglas. And he spends the first, and I'm not going to play it, but he spends a long time in the video basically kind of relating to you in a very vague way. So you're not sure where he's going with this of like, everything sucks. We're divided. And it's the uniparty. That's the problem. And both sides are the problem. And you're like, yeah, like I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm like really hesitant about like, what are you, where are you going with this man? But like, it's a long, a long thing where, and then he introduces this other guy who talks about this, this bill, uh, or this, this idea It's called the, the American anti-corruption act. And that he, the, he's trying to push this thing where we, the states can pass their own legislation and their their point is that the states control voting so if we pass this voting legislation in every state we can control the federal we can make the federal government work for you which always scares the hell out of me when people say like, no work it doesn't work for you um so i was like all right well let's let's you know let's take a look i counted you, you watch the video mm-hmm so I, I counted six points this guy made. I just want to walk through them with you and see how, where, yeah, where you stand. So first, first of all, I was point... just really glad to see Michael Douglas, a big star. I mean, you know, he's older, coming out and just even in the intro, just saying, 
we're all aware that something's wrong here. I thought that was That was great. nice. Yeah. I, I, I just want to see more of that. More people breaking out of the matrix, I guess, and just be like, okay, wait a minute. And trying to come up with solutions. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. That was... That's why I was intrigued and kept watching because I was like, well, wait, he's... Yeah. Where wait, is he going? Is he going to be yeah. woke? Is he going to be not woke? Is he going to like, what is he doing? Yeah. Um, Because you don't hear people talk about this stuff much. Uh, sorry, and I think I miscounted. I think it was seven points because I have them written down here and I just counted wrong. So the first one was we'll have independent voting commissions draw the districts instead of having Republicans and Democrats do it. What do you think about that? I'm just done with it all. <laughs> it's hard for me to. It's hard Care. for me to look at that and I go. I are you for real? Like it's too late. I don't know. I I, I'm just kind of. Maybe. Um, if I, I if we were to sit down and start over, is that a good idea? Yes. You know. How did we ever think that the politicians should be the ones deciding which district was which and who voted, you know? It's funny that you say that because uh, my initial reaction also was as soon as Michael Douglas stepped, stepped aside and this other guy came on to talk about it, I was like, okay. Oh, <laughs> I don't care. Like, really? It, it reminds me of like Brett Weinstein's political party, which I didn't really like because he was like, he said all these things about it's not working in this way and it's not working that way. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then it was this kind of milk toast, but we can make politics work with a few tweaks. And it was like, really? That's that's yeah, that's how I really? feel about it. This thing is so giant. I want to just nuke it at this point. Like we it's we need a cleansing. We need a yeah. cleansing of the dirt. We yeah. need to go back to let's pull all these freaking let's get rid of the whole let's take the field. What do they call that? Where they till it? Everything goes under they, the they dirt. They till it. Yeah, they leave it fallow for a year or two to get yes. the nutrients back, or they plant something yes. else that's going to re-nutrite. Yeah, I'm so not a farmer, but that's how I understand slate it. Works. And we're the founders, and we're sitting around trying to decide how should we set this up, or maybe I'm the new owner, the new politicians of Virginia, and trying to decide how the charter should be written. Is this a good idea to not have the parties? setting the district or the voting having anything to do with voting yes sure yeah the only thing i look at that when i so my i shared your response my other thought though is i saw independent independent voting commissions draw districts and all i could think about was you know the entire deep state bureaucracy is independent yeah, so that's what I, like, independent exactly. is not I, a magic thought, word that means unbiased. Yeah. I mean, and, and my thinking was, so who owns the independent people? Do the parties own like behind the scenes right. who owns right. those people? Right. And are they, are they just me. a bunch of, right. Are they a bunch of jamokes that are led by CNN? Like yeah. what is, what does that mean? Um, so that's one. Two, illegal for lobbyists to donate to politicians. I have a really hard time with that idea. And later he says something about where the money would come from to politicians. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm a freedom person, so I kind of feel like people should be able to support whomever they want, however much they want. 
But I also see that we have just massive corruption and something about that isn't working. I don't know. Yeah, th- this one is, a, is one of those to me where it's like, I, I always feel like they're solving the wrong problem. Yeah. It's like, well, we're going to make it illegal to donate to politicians if you're a lobbyist. It's like, all right, well, first of all, you know, they'll find ways around this. Like there's already the banking regulations or it's already a revolving door between politicians and lobbyist groups. So like, hey, you scratch my back and then when you get out, we'll help with your book deal or you'll, you know, you'll have a board seat at this company or whatever. Like right. that stuff, they'll always find ways to get around it. But to me, one of the one of the problems with that idea is it ignores the fundamental problem, which is why do lobbyists have an incentive to donate to politicians? Like why would an industry spend money donating to politicians? That doesn't seem like a good use of funds. It's a good use of funds because the politicians have power they shouldn't have, right? Like, I don't know if but you it, know this story. What came first, right? I mean, oh, did the power. Oh, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure first? the power came first. Yeah. Because why wouldn't, why, let's, let's go back. Let's say it's before any of this corruption. And the first businessman gives a politician some money to pass a law to regulate people in a way that's not right. Sure. I mean, did the politician just kind of come up with this for power or did they work together or did that guy pay this guy to do it? Like, it feels like it could yeah. go either way. I don't know where it starts, but you could have a situation where a business does pay a politician to pass more, like now, like like what we're seeing now. Right. Uh, the who's who's paying whom to make sure that we're not talking about treatments? Did the politicians just come up with this in their head for no reason? Or I'm sure they love the control and the power, but I'm sure they're working for companies. I'm not sure there's a direct, I don't think, I think we're at the point now where there's just shared ideology. So I don't think they need to be yeah. paying. But I, I would say, and, and historically, I think that most expansions of government power, like the, the hooks to get in there are usually justified by um, ideological reasons. Like it's it's an ideological battle that's had. And someone says, I don't know if we should give the power to this branch of the government or to do this thing. And they're like, oh, yeah, we should have the power. We should only use it in this way. And then now that the power is there, it gets bribed out of it gets bribed. Um, yeah. The use of the power gets bribed. It's but I think you make like a valid a, point. It could go circle, the other way. Though. I don't I don't really see. How do you right. say, well, if we take money out of politics. That doesn't mean they won't still try for control. And if you leave money in politics, it's much easier for businesses to purchase laws. Well, and how do you take money out of politics? It's like, okay, well, so we have know, a bureaucracy right? who polices the thing and yeah. like, like you're just building more layers on well, top you of know, it. I, the way I do it is I buy a uh, Hunter Biden painting. That way there was no money in politics, but I have a abstract painting on my wall and Biden's going to do what I want. <laughs> right. Yeah. The Clintons are really good at that. Right. Yeah. They um, were. Yeah. Really, really good at it. I uh, mean, they just, or, or like the speaking fees, the half a million dollar speaking oh my fees. God, yes. And yeah. Or what the, the new scam is the charities. Yep. Well, I mean, that's the, the Clintons also the global initiative, the Clinton the foundation Clinton and the foundation. Haiti yep. thing, the whole fiasco in Haiti where they raised all that money 
for the Haitians and it's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, you get Hillary Clinton sniffing around this stuff. I don't think any of these rules are going to matter. They find but I, it's, you know, I would rather see, like, if they're like, oh, we're going to have points, like, if they're going to have an illegal for lobbyists to donate to politicians, should they at least have a counterpoint that's like, also, politicians don't have power to regulate, blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, that would be, that would be nice. Let's link, let's make that it's explicit. It's called the Constitution. Right, right. Congress shall pass not, no law. He doesn't talk about that I mean, one. it just doesn't work. I know. All right, number three. I, and I, I don't voter... know the answers, by the way. I just, I'm seeing. No, that's. I, all these I things I thought were my protection, like the Constitution, it's obviously, it must provide some protection to us. Because it would be just completely over by now if it were if it were not for that, but you know I just don't know. It, it's obviously doesn't work. So long yeah. term. Yeah. Uh, all right. Number three: Every voter gets a hundred dollar tax credit to support candidates of their choice. I kind of like um, that idea. Do you? Just because it's a well, I don't like tax codes at all. How about get rid of the tax codes? Yeah. I, I don't like it because they'll be like, well, we have to make up for the $100 tax be by like they're we have we're giving people grants. So now we have to raise taxes. And it's like, all right, what what they're trying nice. to do with that, though, is make it really, truly democratic. You know, everybody well, that's where has I have my hundred dollars and everybody can. And that's the only money a politician is allowed to have and spend on their campaign. And it comes democratically from the masses. That's what they're right. trying to create. Yeah, so actually we can skip over the next two because I want to do the last two and they related to what you're talking about. The last two are secure automatic voter registration and vote from home ballots. And he explicitly says, his conclusion is, so now you've got more people voting and it's easier to vote. That's no, actually no, why I'm opposed no, to this. No, no, <laughs> Yeah, okay. Let's go in the That's other the direction. Oh yes. my God. You better show up in person with your ID and hand mark it and somebody's hand counting it, and there's like a backup and a triple and a quadruple counter or something. That's <laughs> I do yeah. not feel sorry for people who can't make it down to the poll and vote in person on the day. If you miss out, you miss out. It's not that big of a deal. It shouldn't. Plus, be. you should. Plus, you should be a. Uh, I don't know. You should be thirty. <laughs> Well, we've talked about this. You and I have talked about this a little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> offline, but I'm with yeah, you, I, man. Let's make it I harder. Think, <laughs> yeah, we, it needs to be harder to vote. Yeah. Um, because so this this whole thing is built on this premise that we need more people voting. That more pure democracy is better. Yeah. And I just there is zero evidence that that is better. Like literally, there's evidence. There's evidence, evidence all to the contrary. Yeah. That's right. All the evidence is to the contrary. Uh, yeah. If you want to preserve freedoms, you do not want a democracy. You don't want more people voting. You you don't want that. Um, yeah. And you don't want it to be easier. I I'm I was thinking like, if you had to register for an election to vote in an election, if you had to do it for every election, so like it registration, your voter registration doesn't last. You have to do it like, oh, this upcoming election, you have to do it within like six months ahead of time. You got to be like, I'm registering and I'm going to vote in this election and I've got to bring ID or whatever. And then I have to go physically. I got to go there 
and physically vote. I yeah. think that would weed out a lot of people. Yeah. I think it would weed out like 75 to 80% of the people. In the I country. think it would. You would have 15, 20% voting. Right. Yeah. And if we do the other thing I've talked about on the show previously, which is like, you can't vote if you make any money from the government. Uh, I agree with that. As a contractor or government employee or anything, like, done. Can't vote. Government employees, anyone getting a handout. I mean, I would start with that. Anyone getting a handout or yes. working for the government directly. I think you could right. make that case tomorrow because you, you really are voting yourself more goodies. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. If you provide pencils for the government, though, I don't think you should not be able to vote. You know, I don't if you're know. a pencil manufacturer. No one uh, would want to provide anything for them. Hmm. Hmm. Then we'd have no government. <laughs> and we'd have Carter's. Carter's plan. Well, look, I, here's the thing, actually. It might make pencils for the government cost a little bit more because you're giving up voting rights. But actually, voting rights shouldn't be that important. Like, it's actually not that important. Yeah. Right? You and I have talked about this, too. Like, if... So here, I'm going to read the Lysander Spooner quote that I butchered on Friday. He says... But whether the Constitution really be one thing or another, this much is certain, that it, it has either authorized such a government as we have had or has been powerless to prevent it. In either case, it is unfit to exist. Um, I, you know, I think we've got... We've got to ask ourselves, like, all right, Do we care about individual liberty or do we care about universal suffrage? Because those are two different questions. And like individual liberty is a, and the founders knew this, it's a very different thing than universal suffrage. What do you know. think of the Heinlein for all the sci-fi I don't fans like out this there. idea where you have to go serve in the military. Yeah. The service for citizenship. What idea. I don't like about that is I think it encourages – so first of all, it enshrines altruism as the, uh, like, moral standard. But it also encourages, like – it encourages the government to have to go – like, it encourages a, a kind of fascist state where the government's going to go warring and doing stuff, right? Um I'm not sure. Oh, I see. Not, it encourages, like, a permanent military or something. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. I can see that. Um, but I do, I do I don't like think of it as a, self, as a sacrifice or a service thing as much as to become invested in your country, which is why I like the property, property, right. um, you own property. restriction. You have to own property. Um, maybe another one is you can't vote till you've had children, you know, because then you're invested in the long-term health of your and maybe you can't hold office until you've had children. I kind of like that. I've noticed like somebody that pointed on, out that aren't on welfare. Like, yeah, you have to you have to have children that you financially support and and are with. Well, just because you have a long term vested interest in it, you become a more long range person. I think in general. And somebody pointed out mm -hmm. a couple of years ago that every leader of Europe was childless, which yes. was really kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, that is, I agree. I think you're, for a lot of people, their long-term horizon, their, their horizon changes when they have kids and they're suddenly looking yeah. at them like, oh, I care Any what of these ideas are good ideas. 
anything that makes it harder <laughs> is a good idea. <laughs> we'll just do right. them all. Let's do them all. Someone writes, y'all well, are tyrants. One per, the 1% of the population voting. <laughs> we have our own cathedral. But if, yeah. as long as it's like possible for everybody and you just have to do something or, you know, I don't know, invest yourself in society somehow a little bit more, make an effort, um, understand what's happening civ civically. Anything that does that for the voter, I, I'm, I support. Well, let me let me say this because I think there's some confusion about because I'm I've people also know me as an anarchist, but now someone's saying you guys are tyrants. Uh, look, our oh, yeah. goal, the mutual goal here. I could run I things think, way better. <laughs> yeah, I wanna I want to uh, I don't want to speak for you, but I think you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Our mutual goal here is to like have a society that that protects individual rights long term. It's like yes. yes that's Absolutely. what that goal the mechanism is the thing that's in question and it's not clear it's not clear to me what the right mechanism is for that maybe it's, i don't think it's clear yeah. to sunny i don't know i'm not clear either i uh, my whole world view is shattered my whole I, I to be honest i don't think the right system has even been tried i, I think america is pretty good somehow it's not working out i'm not really sure why i'm i I've got a lot of ideas but you know i don't really know and yeah. i know democracy doesn't work so the greeks knew democracy didn't work the founders knew they talked about it all the time i mean they were trying everything to prevent democracy right right and here we are let's pass a bill to yeah. do democracy that to me that's one of our biggest problems is that we're we're basically in a democracy but it's weird though because when they don't like the result now, they're just canceling that. So it's not really a democracy. It's like a I noticed, democracy with a veto, the, where the oligarch <laughs> has the veto on it. They don't really like it. The senile oligarch. Yeah. I noticed this years ago when we were doing, I think I noticed it in one of the, I think it was the first Iraq war, actually, not the second, but it might have been the second one. Uh, when one of the Bushes was, was running around saying, uh, we want to spread democracy. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, why? We're not, <laughs> What's up with that? We, yeah, why, it's like running around saying, we want to spread in communism. Like, why? We're not communists. Like, why are we spreading democracy? Yeah. Like, right. we're not We're not a democracy. What are, you, what are yeah. you doing? I remember having that exact same thought. What the? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not like we want to spread individual rights and like, like. Let's okay. spread democracy in a, in a, a, fanatically Muslim country where the right. majority of people want to uh, kill gay people. Right. Let's and spread chop democracy people's hands there. off, enslave women. Yeah, that, that'll be the, that's what we'll end up. Well, that's Great what idea. you did end up with, Great with, idea, uh, George with Bush. Libya. Right? Yeah. That's what happened. You, you get the Muslim Brotherhood, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, the idea that democracy, just go watch people of Walmart, go look at that page and then tell yourself, Democracy will fix Americans' problems. That's that's all you gotta do. All right, I know what we super chats before we end. Oh yeah, we gotta we gotta head out. So we got three more super chat, four more super chats. I'll read quickly. Johnny Boy Crickdraw says to borrow a page from Spooner. If writing a law on paper to make it legal to do something actually worked, then the Constitution would still be obeyed. Yes, that was the quote I just read. You probably gave me that before I read the quote. Super Iron Bob says when money can't buy influence, it'll buy time to influence. And when it can't buy time to influence, it'll buy people's time to influence and so on. Yeah, they'll find a way. Andrew Knapp says no government system remains free without individuals maintaining their freedom. 
yeah, that's the ultimately what matters is our culture argument, which I agree with. And you Super know, Iron on that Bob's, point, oh, I really think one of our biggest problems is that we're not as civically engaged as we were as people. So on the one hand, I want to reduce voting. But on the other hand, I want it to be kind of like something people do that I think our grandparents and their parents more often than not just felt their need to be involved locally. It was kind of a thing everybody just did. And yeah, that's missing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Super Iron Bob says any lobbying should be paid for by the constituents. The gates shouldn't be buying the time of local school boards so that parents have no access. Um, yeah, I don't know that specific reference. I do know that Microsoft did not spend any money on lobbying until, I think it was in the 90s, was it the 90s? Until in the 90s, they spent zero, zero yeah, on SEC lobbying. The SEC came after them for, yeah. Uh, antitrust. Yeah, right. they got attacked for the Department of Justice came after them for antitrust. And after that, Microsoft was like, oh, I guess we need to spend money on lobbying. And even if you're the kind of guy who doesn't want to spend money on lobbying, if you're running a publicly traded company nowadays, you're kind of obligated to do it because your shareholders are like, well, you need it. You need to do it for defensive. You have to have your man in Washington. Reasons. Yep. As Ayn Rand said in Atlas Shrugged. Mm hmm. You got to have your man in Washington. Got to have your man in Washington. Yep. Sonny, this has been awesome. Thank you for joining. I know you've got to run. Yeah, so. hey, thanks and for having me. It's been two hours. Me. We should end the show. Yeah, yeah thanks pleasure for coming. to be a guest host. We will be back on Friday with Josh Slocum. So um, excited. Which will be fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm doing another, there'll be another uh, Dangerous Thoughts episode this Wednesday. Uh, I think at 7 p.m. maybe. Um and uh, I don't know. I think there's another 451 this Friday. Uh, let me check. Hold on. Oh, every other Friday. Not this Friday, but the Friday after will be 451 degrees with Alex Mcelly. So, uh, but this Friday we've got Josh Slocum. Sonny will be back. Thank you, Sonny. I'm a huge fan of him. So that'll be really fun. He's pretty awesome. All yeah. right. Take care. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and scheduled for ideological vaccination. To avoid cancellation, please update your ideological contact tracing app on your smart device immediately. Here's a fun fact. Only vaccinated black lives matter.
If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.